Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of The Roots Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the director and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. All right, well, Rice is officially going bowling, uh, as I'm sure many of you saw, uh, playing in the Lending Tree Bowl in good old Mobile, Alabama on December 17th, uh, so about a week and a half from now as of this recording, so maybe not the way we wanted to get there, but hey, uh, first bowl game in eight years at this point, God. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm trending toward like, uh, I wish the road here had been better, but hey, it's a bowl game. Yes, I'm I'm in for this. I think I think every well the past five rice seasons leading up to this have been like choppy and well that maybe that's a the most positive euphemism <laughs> for how things have been. Uh, it's been erratic, and so the fact that it can be crazy, but it still ends in a bowl game, like I feel like maybe maybe the you can quibble on the deservingness of the of you know five and seven and i'm not going to go into that discussion but i feel like as people who have been watching these games we deserve it so maybe this is <laughs> exactly us. yeah so but uh, it's excited yeah. I, I we will we'll have time to on another show probably to go kind of through the with a fine tooth comb over that game and southern miss I thought it was is interesting in a discussion that I had with uh, athletic director Joe Carlgard after the bowls were announced. He mentioned that Southern Miss was actually on the 2022 schedule when it first came out. And <laughs> yeah, I laughed because that was the, the, the schedule was released and then they bolted for the Sun Belt. And uh, lo and behold, Rice is playing them just in December. Things uh, come back around. Never a dull moment, but we will get to bowls eventually. That's not why we're here tonight. Yeah, so we, uh, I guess we do have one more small announcement before we, uh, well, maybe not so small announcement before we get to our main show for tonight. Um, if the fact that nothing has happened to the contrary to this point has not tipped you off, um, it is uh, pretty well official, I think, that uh, Rice, co- Rice head football coach, I'm, I'm not going to use the endowment title. Sorry to the athletic department there. Um, <laughs> Mike Bloomgren is going to be back with his team uh, for the 2023 season. And I'm sure we all have feelings about that one way or another. Uh, we kind of broke down the the view on either side last week. And um, it is what it is. Uh, I, I am not active. I'm not like jumping for joy here. I'm also not actively upset either. Um, it there were a lot of factors counseling in either direction to the point where I think neither decision here was going to make everyone happy and neither decision was, uh, yeah, I don't know. That, yeah. <laughs> that, that level that, of indecision that is kind of kinda, how you feel. Yeah, it sums up a lot. And, and I will say this, and it is, I did this last year. And I think that it was well, I, I got some feedback that it was appreciated and helpful. So here is what I'm going to I'm going to tease one quick uh, thing for subscribers before we get on. And I will say that I have a couple conversations set up later this week that will hopefully shed a little bit of light on the status of Mike Bloomgren, what went into that decision and you know, Carter and I, we can spitball into our podcast mics as long as we want. But 
I will hopefully have some better answers from clarity from people in the administration and kind of plugged in. So I'm working that angle as we speak. That'll go up for subscribers uh, at some point, probably early next week. We'll see TBD on the timing on that, but it, it, it is in the process. That's where I was. I was the one who first reported uh, at this time last year that Bloomgren had actually been extended and this 2022 season wasn't the last year of his contract. So who knows? I, I'm assuming if he's coming back, there's going to be, I mean, might be something contractually at play in there unless he's going to be, you know, going into a, a final year of his deal, which isn't really normal in college football these days, no. but nothing has been normal yeah. with Rice football. <laughs> so who knows? My point was uh, I'm not promising all of the answers, but I'm promising you I'm going to do my darndest to get as many as I can. So patreon.com slash at the roost plug in there. We'll have, we'll have a lot of stuff coming. December is the early signing period. The transfer portal portal Palooza has been happening this week. There's lots going on. So plug it, uh, go subscribe on Patreon, uh, a subscribe on our podcast, download and click all those buttons. If you haven't yet, it's been a minute since we plugged that, but there's lots going on and the football season is not done. So we still have one more football game, too. It's it's yeah. a busy December for Rice football and the Roost, and that's good. So in the interim period until we get to said bowl game, uh, we have uh, for our main topic today, is this the the fourth annual Roosties at this point? Ooh. I, Did we do it the first that, season? That feels right. Is this the fourth season we've done this podcast? Yes. What is time? What is existence? Well, Roosty's <laughs> number two. I I think we're at. I think we've done three. Roosty's number two was 2020. So Roosty's number three was 2021. So this is yes, the fourth this annual Roosty. Yeah, wow. Wow. Jeez. That's a. That's exciting. Uh, we've and been also around. A, this is also a bit terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Also terrifying. This is going to be episode 136. Jeez. And a good portion of you have stuck it through, like oh, at least over a hundred at this point, and we we commend you. <laughs> yeah, I like I don't know if you're you're talking to your therapist about why you're still here at at any point, but like uh, we're we're glad you are. So uh, with that, uh, we'll get right into it. Our first uh, category is favorite play. And I and I'll I'll interject. I like these because I will do this, and this will be on the site at, at some point. We'll I'll have like the team MVP, the offensive player of the year, you know, like the generic, uh, you know, off-season, pre-season, post-season right. awards that are there. And it's kind of like, well, he was a good player. Obviously, yes. I like these because they're a bit more open-ended and open to interpretation and let us kind of uh, argue with each other and commiserate with each other and just re-experience all the highs and lows of the season in 30 to 45 minutes all over again. <laughs> so, favorite play. What was your favorite play? Uh, I ended up going with, and I, I thought about this one for a while, because when I first thought of this one, I was like, oh, I don't know, do you really want to, like, be that excited about, like, a gaming game-winning play against UTEP? But then I thought about it, and I was like, with the way this team was this season, the wins that they had, and the way those wins went, and the way this season went, any game-winning play is worth celebrating. So I ended up going with the uh, game-winning touchdown pass from uh, McMahon to Rosner uh, for the win against UTEP, um, which just, like, I don't know, it was a very exciting, literally game-winning play on 
the last play of, or near the last play of the game. I forget exactly how much time left, but it was very close to the end of the game. Uh, and it was a really great throw and a really great catch. And it was just, I don't know, a very cool play that got a win. Yeah, I like you. I kind of was thinking through and trying to decide because that was the first one that came to my mind. And that that's the one that I, I ended up going with because it was just so I it, it's it, it, and I think it was the lead up to that moment, too, because that was a game that, you know, Rice had to win. Like there was no and we saw like. Obviously, they didn't even win out and get to the six-win threshold that we thought, but they had to win that game. That play had to happen, and so that was one of the few times that I can remember where, you know, Rice really rose to the occasion and had that big play and a clutch moment with everything on the line. Yeah, and it was it was glorious, and they didn't <laughs> have to throw it up, and they did. And Bradley Rosner is a grown man. <laughs> analysis yeah yeah so it was, was just easy. it was awesome all right next up the player you were most wrong about um i struggled a bit with this one because i was trying to think i'm not sure there was a player coming into this season that i had like a really strongly formed opinion about that like ended up being wrong so i don't know i kind of took a cop-out answer here and said aj Paget because when he came in, I was like, that's the scout team quarterback. He's going to be terrible. And then in his one actual full start, he was great. So, like, to the extent that I had a strong opinion about him, it was quickly, quickly proven wrong in that limited action that he had. Yeah, man, the scout team quarterback showing up in the Roosties. I'm sure that's not the first time. I haven't fact-checked that. <laughs> uh, I can't disagree with that. Um, I, I will say mine, I think I had to think about this for a second, too. And the player that I was most wrong about is uh, I got to give a Mia Culpa. It, it was Kobe Campbell. And mm, yeah, kind of the reason the rationale behind it was twofold. Um, one, Rice brought in 37 players in the transfer portal at wide receiver, which I mean, granted. They were some pretty talented players, obviously, who played yeah. big, big roles on the team. So they were good. But typically when a player, when a team is recruiting people over you, it means they think there's a deficiency there. Yeah, uh, it's usually a sign so, that the, they're not terribly satisfied with the depth they have at the position. So, right. So that was it. That was a sign of me of concern. One. And then two, man, in, in spring and last fall, he just he dropped the football too many times and, yeah. I, and I didn't get enough opportunities to evaluate him as a wide receiver because he was not catching the football. And then lo and behold, I don't know what happened in from fall camp to like mid season, but he started catching the football and man, he had, he had a couple big third down conversions. He had a couple, like every time he touched the ball was, was 20 yards downfield a and he had a couple in like high leverage situations and it got to the point where it, we and we've seen this in, in recent years with rice where it's like shoot we're at a receivers somebody go line up on yeah. the field and in 
he got onto the field. You, fourth-string running back. You're a receiver now. Well, that's what he was. He was yeah. a fourth-string fourth running back last year. <laughs> yep. His freshman, he came in, and he was – I think he got two targets in I the last game of the year. I should have picked a different example. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. But, but I wanted to – he got onto the field this year because he was a good football player, not because they ran out of bodies. Yeah. And that's that's a shout out to Mr. Campbell. And then he produced when he was on the field. So I I'm no, I no longer get nervous when he comes onto the field and I get kind of excited because we saw some of the things that you could do with that speed in the slot. So he gives Rice another dimensionality dimensionality, another dimension, some dimensionality, which they needed when McCaffrey was down and not on the field in the slot. And then. You know, then we saw what Braylon Walker show up when both of them weren't able to go in the North <laughs> Texas game and do what he did. So maybe it's just the magic. And then, man, Austin Trammell before is is the Rice slot receiver position just like pixie dust sprinkled on it? Yeah, just a, a talent factory at this point, I guess. People are saying, yeah. So Kobe Campbell, shout out. Happy, I I love being wrong about this kind of thing. <laughs> go go do it again. Uh, most improved units is the next one. Um, I thought about this one for a long time. I think there are some, a different couple of different ways you could go. You could maybe go quarterback, uh, if nothing else, by the fact that they did actually have the same quarterback start like three quarters of the season, which, you know, we didn't get all the way there, but it was an improvement from what we had before. And the overall just level that TJ was playing at was, um, and and like they got solid quarterback play over a lot over times last year, but nothing like the consistency that you had uh, this year from TJ for the most part. Um, I think you could also go edge here. So you look at comparing to last year, you had um, this year, Josh Piercy with five and a half sacks and uh, what Trey Schumann with four. Uh, so you're getting a lot more actual, like, pressure from the the front than you have tended to in years past. Like, there were actual times when I really felt like you could depend on the Rice pass rush without bringing extra extra pressure this year. And, like, it wasn't all bright, as nothing really is for this has been for this team this year. But um, I thought there was some consistency in the pressure they were able to generate that they haven't really had in past years. Yeah, I think I had more concern with the secondary play than the rush. And I think in, in prior years, it's been quite the opposite. Yep. It's been like, okay, we feel all right with the secondary, but you got to do something to slow them down. And, and it flipped. So wait, did you cheat and give two answers? <laughs> um, I think I am going to go edge just in the interest of not talking about the quarterback position uh, too much here. Yeah, and and I so when I was thinking through this, I thought a little bit about quarterback, but and maybe I'm feeling greedy, but I felt like this was the first year under Bloomgren where we just got like solid, and you said it, but solid quarterback play. Yeah, and it, it, that alone, just the fact that one guy was there to run the offense every single week. That was, I guess, improvement by, like, literal default. Like, yeah. everyone was not hurt and you were on the field. I, I don't know. I want – here's what I want. I want in 2023 
for the quarterback position to be a strength of this team. And I think it was that at times this year, but I, I don't think it really got to where it could be. So yeah. I felt like giving it to the quarterback position was kind of just a cop out on people being healthy. So <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to go. I'm not going to go quarterback, although, man, shout out Mr. A.J. Padgett. And T.J. TJ won some games, like, like oh, yes. credit to where credit's due. But uh, I'm giving it to the wide receiver position. That was what I thought for, about, too, yeah. For so many reasons, but Bradley Rosner, I mean, almost, I'm not going to say got overshadowed, but we kind of, like, didn't really talk about him as much because we were talking about Isaiah Esdale and Luke McCaffrey and, you know, said Patterson before he went mm-hmm. down and then you had Kobe Campbell coming up and there were so many guys. But at the end of the day, it was Brad Rosner who was still still carrying the show. And I mean, Luke McCaffrey had some big plays and I think he dropped four touchdown passes this season. And I'm talking like in the end zone or like open space in the red zone. So. And, and like that's that's closer to any any like Rice has not had more than a receiver and a half the past couple of years. I felt like this year you could make the argue argument that they had like maybe four or five. Yeah, there was real and, in my notes for this. I have uh, wide receiver re depth as one of my my possibilities for this one. So yeah, the fact that they actually had. More than two guys, basically, at all times that they could depend on was a massive improvement for year, from years past. Yeah, and you pulled Braylon Walker, second time mentioned in the podcast, shout out. <laughs> you pulled Braylon Walker off the scout team, and he went for, what was the final, like 82 yards on four catches in like a must, like he was awesome. And he had had no first team, I mean, Kobe went down. Trying to remember when this was. I like I think Tuesday. And this is Thanksgiving week, so the practice schedule was just joining up. So he got like a day and a half of practice and was the star of that game. So the fact that Rice was there, I mean, I'm still blown away by the fact that depth actually delivered. Like one through like literally nine, maybe. Like were important to this team and made plays. Yeah, that it was I'm, an I'm actual thrilled. like next guy up situation. And it worked. I'm I'm so yeah. that's like one of the most like college football tropes that like gets me exhausted because I'm just like, no, yeah. no, no. Like the next man up is like he's not as good. Like, yes, you yeah. want him to catch the football or block the guy or hit the guy, but like it's not the same. And at wide receiver, like Luke McCaffrey's Luke McCaffrey. Like, losing him, that stung. But, like, Braylon Walker went in and was a dude. Like, Kobe Campbell was a dude. Like, it was uh, more of that, please. (laughs) All right. Next up, we have uh, play or game you most want to redo. I'm just going to say the Charlotte game, all of it. And I don't want to talk about it anymore. No, thank you. (laughs) So, I didn't go with the Charlotte game. And I thought and about I do, trying to like really put some thought into this and come up with like a particular play in a different game, but that was just like the, I looked at it and that was I have all, one all my brain could consume. So I'll I'll leave the specifics to you on this one. I have one. 
slash two slash a game. But I want to redo the Houston game. Because Yeah, I think that's a fair one. Because that game it and obviously we saw the the win over UAB and we saw the early season spike and everything going going right. But man, if you if if the interception that gets thrown in that game in the fourth quarter that puts Ugh. Rice into, into crunch time, if that isn't thrown, like Rice was gonna score. Like they they were driving, like they the offense was going, it was gonna happen. Or if that sack fumble thing that doesn't get reviewed that ends up in the fumble six in the last series, like if Yeah. Like there was just there's so much in that end of that game where it felt like Rice got unlucky, not that they were beaten by someone who just like the time right now, you know, like against yeah. USC, Rice got unlucky, but you can play that game a hundred times and USC is always winning. Like, right. Even if they don't have three pick sixes. What? But yeah, aside, but yeah, that Houston game, because man, I tell you what, if you, if they, if that game is played again, then Houston finished seven and five this year, correct? I think so. Yeah. Houston finishes six and six. Rice finishes six and six. And Rice gets to hold that one up, and Houston is licking their wounds even more than they already are. That would that was the moment. Like I think from what I've seen enough of this for this year, I'm like, I don't know if I believe that a what just happened game is unavoidable right now with this staff because it's happened every year. Right. And rather than wish that away, I want to increase the number of big highs so that I can stomach the lows. <laughs> that's yeah. that's my new strategy. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I want another crack at, at Houston. Yeah, I think that's a good answer. Uh, next we have player you'll miss the most. Um, you know, with the state of eligibility after the COVID year and everything that goes on with that. Uh, I have no idea who to pick here because I have no idea who's actually going to be back. But uh, (laughs) Has it been exhausting to you? Because the transfer portal thing, everybody tweets out like, I've graduated. I'm pursuing my final three years of eligibility. Oh, I know. And it's like, wait, what? I can't (laughs) even keep up, man. Like, I can't even keep up. Um, I'm Assuming maybe uh, I will be fact checked live in this moment, but uh, Brad Rosner has been here a long time. I, I was going to guess this would be his last year. Uh, so in that case, I would pick Brad Rosner. I, I believe I can fact check you. <laughs> because he had a medical, he can, I don't I, don't know, I know he could. I know he could take another year, um, but I, I wasn't sure if. Uh, I just know it's been a while. Yeah, he's in my head. He's never allowed to leave. <laughs> I have to go look and see if he gets because. He had two years of joke JUCO. Oh, here's so yeah. Oh, so he redshirted his first year of JUCO, and then played two years in JUCO. Played 2019, so that's three years. 2021 redshirted, 
So 2022 he played. So that's four years unless he gets a red shirt for oh he he missed the 27 he missed a juco season with an injury that's what it was i'm pulling it back up ah, so we he go. had a juco season ending ending injury and then an fbs regular season injury so that's a good question i don't know i'm selfishly believing that he's going to be back but that's a good thing to fact check and <laughs> man if that's right if this is the last time we see brad rosner in a rice uniform in this bowl game whew, that's got to be the de facto answer yeah, yeah, it, it's it's. Uh, I f- I feel like that's a pretty obvious one. If this is in fact his last year, but the state of that with the way eligibility is these days, I I have no idea. Yeah, I'm trying because I'm I'm I. So here's he did walk on senior day. That's what I was trying to remember. So that is not necessarily a bearing of things to come, but. Oh man. Okay. I'm I'm processing emotions live. Well, I guess for you listening after the fact, but live for me. So that's a tough one to follow up. I I went with George Nyakwal because yeah. I thought the North Texas game kind of summed up George Nyakwal's career at Rice really really well particularly the fourth quarter of that game Uh because when north texas had those just big runs where they just ripped straight through the middle of the defense and literally not literally but everybody else did not do their job something was not right it was literally george nyakwal in the open field make the tackle and salvage a very bad situation and he made both tackles in the middle of the field on what could have been like 60-yard breakaway touchdowns. So, we, I mean, I feel like he's kind of been lost in the mix with all of the injuries and coming in and out and everything going on around him. But having a guy that literally is just always there to make the play, man, we're going to miss him when, when, when you don't have that guy. And maybe, you know, like Gabe Taylor's been a dude and has come around and had moments. Maybe Gabe Taylor becomes that guy. But, yeah. So many guys, man, you're right. I don't know who's here and who's not here and who's out of eligibility and who's going to get a magical ninth year. But, oh, man, those are some good, good options. All right. Uh, Next, we have the out of nowhere star. Um, This was a tricky one. A lot of candidates. If you look solely at the North Texas game, uh, you could pick Braylon Walker for this one uh, or A.J. Padgett. This is a tough one because there weren't, I think, the players that played the biggest roles on this team, like, you know, Luke McCaffrey, weren't guys that came really out of nowhere. Even, like, Josh Piercy had a big season, but he had four sacks last year. Um, I ended up going with Isaiah Esdale because he was sort of a, you know, yes, he was the third wide receiver, but I'm not sure he was the guy we really expected to be in that position uh, as kind of the, the consistent third option going into this season. Um, and again, that's not something they've had as that consistent third option. And he did it, and he did it really well. And um, He was the, the fifth guy going into fall camp. Yeah. Well, he was behind Sam Crawford because Crawford was there in the spring, and he was behind Cedric Patterson. And then both yeah. of those guys got hurt. 
So he was big. Can I can I give a, a little spoiler? I have this stat. One of the things that I get to do in the off season or the prelude to it, at least, is come up with a, a couple things. So this is a bit of a spoiler. Uh, let me go pull it on. So Esdale caught 39 passes this year. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, 22 of them went for a first down. That will get it done. So when you catch the ball, uh, that's 56% of his passes went for first downs. And, man, the number of times he moved the chains on third and long. I was just flabbergasted. Ten of those 39 passes went for 15 yards or longer. And this was not a guy who was catching a six-yard crossing route and taking it upfield. This was a guy who was getting targeted 26 yards downfield and hauling it in. And he did most, well, not most, he hurt his finger at the beginning of the Western Kentucky game. And then played three more games. He practiced with a splint on his hand for three weeks and then played three games with nine fingers in like had some huge plays. And last I checked, you need fingers to catch footballs. Usually. Yeah, that tends to be how it works. At least nine. So (laughs) that's a great pick. I'm a big fan of Isaiah Esdale. Uh, My out of nowhere star was and I. I, I kind of get to pat myself on the back for this. So in the preseason, I I guess the past four years now, I have gone and given given out a a rising star uh, uh, nomination, if you will. And I pick three guys before the season. And basically my qualification is they have to be in the bottom half of the roster. So nobody that enters the year on the radar of a starter or someone that we're like, oh yeah, this guy's going to be a guy, a big contributor. So one of my guys for rising star this year was Blake Banish. And mm. I, I, I vig- vividly remember the McNeese game because DeBraylin Garrell gets hurt. In, I think it was the first quarter. It was pretty early on. And then Blake Banish comes in has a sack and a half in that game. And I felt like was in the backfield more often than that. Had five tackles. Was just a monster. And it it was at the point where like, oh, I mean, we're going to put DeBraylin Carroll back in because he's DeBraylin Carroll. But we got to play this guy, right? (laughs) And, And he started a couple games at the end of the year and was a big, like, he was in on a lot of snaps throughout the season. So Blake Banish, I mean, he was a monster, had a big year, and he was a guy that you had depth. You brought in Quintet as a senior from ACU. You had so much. I mean, we talked about Edge. There were so many guys. So to break into that rotation was, like, extremely impressive to me. So Blake Banish, my out-of-nowhere star. I will jump the queue. <laughs> and transition a little bit to most valuable transfer, our next award, and copy paste. I had Isaiah Esdale there for that award. So everything that I said earlier about out of nowhere star for Isaiah Esdale, copy that and say it again because he was both, I guess, an unpredictable like playmaker for Rice, and uh, we'll see who you had, but definitely one of the transfer pieces that Rice struck gold with. I don't I don't know where Rice is this season without Isaiah Esdale on the offense. 
Yeah, uh, definitely a solid choice. Uh, since I had just thrown with him, I went to the other side of the ball and went with Chris Conti here, um, who came in and, you know, this is not a simple defense and uh, quickly kind of ascended to starting Mike linebacker. And I thought in the games that he didn't play, you could, there was a very real difference in the level of of aggression and uh, the the way that they sort of the the play speed, if you will, of the linebackers when Chris wasn't in there. So um, him being kind of the guy in the middle of the defense, uh, I think, uh, as a consistent player and consistent starter, um, uh, was kind of, kind of put him on the top here for me. Yeah, that, that's interesting. If if we had an award for position that I was most wrong or most surprised about, looping it in with, with Conti, it, it might have been the linebackers because you hit the nail on the head. Conti was, was played at a really high level, but I also think Myron Morrison like, yeah. was really good this year. And, you know, going into the year, I'm like, I don't know if he's even going to start. It might be Aiden Ciano. Like, they might put somebody else in there. And both of those guys started and linebacker play. And, and part of this, I will admit, the way that Rice schemes their defense. I mean, if if you can get somebody with range and can tackle like that's all you really need. I'm mm-hmm. oversimplifying it, but that's all you yeah. really need at that linebacker spot. And so, I mean, I guess it's easy to kind of scheme over less talented players at that position with the way that Rice kind of sets things up. But I think we got a lot of game-changing and very, very, very good play from the linebacker. I mean, Myron Morrison, did he have, he had at least one interception, um, maybe yeah. two, at least another pass deflection. So, yeah, man, good call. Chris Conti, good call. And he does have a couple years, so he will be here, mm-hmm. <laughs> barring portal craziness, but... I like getting more. Uh, next up is most head scratching moment. And I, I guess I played myself here because I just picked the Charlotte game again, like <laughs> not to repeat myself and not to dwell on the worst parts of the past, but like, yeah, like sometimes teams that have just fired their coach get something of a sort of dead cat bounce, but Charlotte had been horrible all season and they had just fired their coach that week and I don't know I kind of had a feeling coming in that that game was going to be closer than we would have liked it to be maybe and it was a it was, Rice was favored by like 17 points in that game but so like if it had been if it had been tight and then Rice had pulled it out in the end I would have been like eh well you know sometimes you know Teams playing for an interim, they get a little bit of extra motivation. There's not big talent differences in this conference. Like, it is what it is. Um, But just to come out and get absolutely, like, just get the crap beat out of you by a team that had been playing that poorly was just baffling. Yeah, it's almost like it's almost going to have to become a verb. Like, Rice, don't get charlotted. Yeah. (laughs) And that I, I wrote down. It quote all of the Charlotte game. <laughs> yeah, it it's st- like it still doesn't make sense, man. Like <laughs> I've, I've had no. plenty of time to process it, and like 
and, and I guess a tangent, and this is, I guess this is a bigger off-season conversation, and technically we're not in the off-season yet, because we have one more game. Look at that. Look at that. Bowl games. This is fun. But I think what the, what, uh, the Charlotte game, what made it so head-scratching was the fact that the defense completely imploded to nothing. And the offense was not good in that game, but between a, a couple of inopportune turnovers and a couple, you know, a, a slow start, like the fact that right or Charlotte scored touchdowns on seven consecutive drives in that game, like the deep, the, the it was the part that is it, it was that is that's how it happened is was so jarring to me because we've been used to saying well. The defense is good. We just need the offense to figure it out. And there were a lot of times this year where we thought the offense had figured it out. And then for the offense to regress again, you're like, okay, well, you know, that's the weaker side of the ball. For the good, air quote, side of the ball to get just shellacked by 100 points. Or what was the final margin in that game? Was it 56? 56 to yeah, 20. 56 to 20, 23. Golly, yeah. For them to give up 56 points to, like, some talented players, but not a good offense, that's the part that just all of it, I was like, man, you tell me Louisiana Tech puts up 42 points against you, and I, I'm grossed out. Like, you, you, you tell me <laughs> Houston puts up 34 against you, and I'm like, yeah, man, that makes sense. You tell me USC scores, what, 44? Uh, 45 offensive points against you. I'm like, I got it. 56 by Charlotte. I cannot comprehend. It makes no sense. I want it to never happen again. Please. Yep. Yeah. All right. I want that one to be over with. Uh, yeah. Most dominant game. Uh, obviously, you could theoretically go with uh, the game they played against an FCS team here, but that's a boring choice. So I think otherwise the obvious choice here is the Louisiana game. And um, there were definitely some scratchy moments in the first half. Um, Bryce didn't have a little plot in the way of like blowout wins this year. So you, you can't pick one. They sort of dominated from start to finish, but like aside from some turnovers, that they had cleaned up by the second half largely. Rice just was the better team on both sides of the ball consistently from start to finish in this one. And, like, the final margin was 12, 12 points, but it felt like a whole lot more than that. They were just... It was it was a really, really impressive performance. Uh, and I wish the whole season had felt like that. Yeah, and and so it was... They had the turnovers early, and and then TJ just really, I mean, flipped the switch and and was fantastic. So after the pick six in this game, that kind of soured, put just everything was oh no because then remember this is the Louisiana game so that was uh, the fourth pick six Rice had thrown that season Ugh. in three games. Yeah, I don't, man. I'm going to have to go back and count up tipped interceptions, aren't I? Probably. That's an off-season chore. We're not there yet. But uh, can I can I read just a couple snippets from the drive chart from this game? Yep. Because on offense, uh, first touchdown drive, 
13 plays, 83 yards, 7 minutes, 56 seconds, Luke McCaffrey touchdown catch. Then you have field goal with one second left, the aggression to end the second quarter, call the timeouts, and they score. Uh, Louisiana scores with a minute 24 left, and Rice gets down and scores a touchdown, nine plays, 60 yards, and one minute and 19 seconds. Field goal, but it's good. Next, touchdown drive, third quarter, 11 plays, 75 yards, 440 on the clock, 12-yard touchdown to Bradley Rosner. Next touchdown drive, fourth quarter, 10 plays, 65 yards, 607. McCaffrey catches another touchdown pass. And then one score game, fourth quarter, you have 11 plays, 70 yards, 6 minutes, and 14 seconds. So in that game, I'm looking one, two, three, four, five scoring drives of at least nine plays and at least 60 yards. And the defense was really good. The defense gave up two offensive touchdowns the whole game. And yep. they really didn't have any semblance of an offense. And one of those touchdowns was a 17-yard drive after mm-hmm. a turnover. So one full field touchdown, their first full field touchdown came in the fourth quarter. This was as close as we've gotten, we got all year to a complete offensive and defensive performance. And I was looking through, I don't, there's no other game, like, you can't, nothing else would have qualified. I'm sorry, but like, you're at the point where you should be, you should beat McNeese 52 to 10. Yeah. Like, Charlotte lost to William and Mary. So like, Rice lost to Charlotte. So what does that uh, say? But I'm saying you're you're at a stage where that should not happen to you, and that did not happen to you. So kudos. But I can't. I'm not going to praise you for it. I'm going to say you did your job. And other than that, like, yeah, I'm sorry. You can't say dominant against UAB, Louisiana Tech. Uh, yeah, or, not yeah, so much. Not even close. They they were they were wins, and you get to count the wins. But dominant is not the word that you get to use. Maybe Southern Miss. Add that to the list. Asterisk. <laughs> they have had dominant wins against Southern Miss in recent history, so let's hope that repeats itself. This is true. I'm glad that they're <laughs> not playing like, I don't know, some down-on-the-luck SEC or Big Ten team in a cold, dark place. Yeah, no, no, thank you. I'd rather, yeah. All right, and lastly, we have player you are most looking forward to in 2023. Um, a lot of good potential candidates with this one. Uh, my mind immediately went to AJ Paget, and then I was like, he's probably he's probably not going to start. So, um, hey, at this point, you, you never know. Look, yeah, he might be the scout team guy going into next year, and the scout team guy has started in what three of the five seasons. <laughs> um, TJ would be a good choice if you're looking for a, a repeat and slash upgrade performance there. Um, I ended up going with Josh Piercy because, you know, you went from four sacks last year to five and a half this year. Um, could be kind of the centerpiece of a, a hopefully even more improved rise pass rush, pass rush next year. Um, and I don't know. It's it's very fun to have just like a really great edge rusher on your team and just watch that guy kind of wreck games. Uh, and I'm hopeful that's a level that Josh can get to next year. Yeah, I I don't think we really had a Josh Piercy Rex games moment this year. Well, the uh, what was it the the UAB game that they had back to back sacks 
in the final minute to close that one out? I think so. I have to pull that one up. I think he did get credited with the sack on one of yes he did he got credited with the game-winning sack on third and 19 with the final second so i stand corrected josh piercy has wrecked the game <laughs> this year it won but yeah i think you're right i think one he looks like a greek god and <laughs> if you didn't know this he he modeled the artemis space uniforms and did a great job good job josh piercy on that and he was a fantastic football player but i think you're right i think we can see him become that guy and shoot like i'm i'm we will get this i am like very very excited about the edge guys that rice has on this roster on like like the scout team guys like damone green is going to be a dude like chibi nawajiku is going to be really really good so like they got talent so i think josh piercy if he takes a leap oh that could be fun I'm I'm excited for 2023. Dang it. Let's finish 2022. But I have one for me and this one was kind of kind of a no-brainer because like Josh Piercy, I don't think we've seen this guy's ceiling yet and I think his ceiling is like going to the league good and that's Luke McCaffrey. And yeah, y- you got to remember going into the season the only time that he had ever been a receiver, quote unquote, was catching passes in his backyard from his dad and his brothers. <laughs> and like, no joke, this is what he told me before the season. Like that is that that's my experience. And and you just saw him in the spring, man. I just you just make defensive backs look silly. And Rice had some good defensive backs and he was making them look silly. And what do we however many drop touchdowns he had this year, like if he would have been healthy and not had some of those drops, we're looking at a 10-touchdown season that was in no way fluky. You don't get to count that because it didn't happen, but I'm going to call right. can I call it right now a 10-plus <laughs> touchdown, 1,000-yard season for Luke McCaffrey next year, and I don't even care what other receivers are on the team. It It's going to happen. I am speaking it into existence. Yeah, and it uh, seems real likely. Done. Like, write it down. Whatever book we need. I would also like to speak uh, quarterback health if we're making requests and and good quarterback play and uh, the defense figuring it out and a bowl win. It's the Christmas season, right? Like, you just wish for things now and then they appear under your tree? <laughs> yeah, that's how it works, right? I don't know. <laughs> but we have a hope for the future. We always have hope, man. Well, Ted Lasso. Is good for you, Hope? I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> All right. Well, that uh, finishes up our roosties for this year. Uh, it's weird for that not to be, like, for there to be something coming immediately after this, but this not to be kind of uh, the start of a break or at least the sort of, uh, yeah, you know, we've got uh, signing day and then uh, we're, we're off for a little bit. But uh, we will be back quite soon uh, because Rice has a bowl game to play. So, uh, hope y'all enjoyed the Roosties. Uh, we're glad to have made it through another season with you, or to have almost made it through another season, because we got one more uh, to go. But we'll see you soon, and Rice Fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.